filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter, you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. I think I've mentioned that uh, I I picked up when the seasons all ended. I picked up the football manager uh, poison once oh, again, no. and I'm subjecting myself oh, to it no. once again. This is okay, but you're going you're going to like this especially. I think. Okay, well, I, this I'll, applies I'll just, to I'll, you. I'll Wait, just am I still in, like, in this game? Not this one. Oh. Nah. Uh, I'll, I'll just throw in that, like, at the beginning of the pandemic, Lovato, I started some football manager, but I just couldn't. I just couldn't sustain it so but it i can yes, be I very hard if, if you don't have yeah. the specific brain worm that that really gets it to plug into you then i can see how that would happen uh but so i started uh, a game with ebbs fleet united which is english fifth division um mostly because their badge is maryland flag colors uh and i was yes. like good enough for me um not because and- they are owned by fans including several american fans no, no. This was a pure, like, I'm just going to pick a random team. And I looked through some badges and was like, cool, there we go. Um, so uh, I get in. And and the reason that this is a, ap- applicable to this show is that in the same division is Bromley. Um, of <laughs> That's course. what I figured. Yes. Uh, and I, hope, I hope they kicked your ass. So I, I, I start this, the preseason off. Uh, I beat a team from League One. Uh, came back to win. I was like, okay, great. Um, this is going better than expected. And then played a bunch of like lower level random teams, just, you know, beating people by like three, four goals. And I was like, great. Everything's great. The first three weeks of the season come and I have three straight unlucky losses where I have a bunch of shots, can't get a goal. The other team wins one, nothing or two, one. I was like, well, okay, maybe, maybe I just need to fill, you know, fill out my squad You get a couple decent results and then I come in against Bromley, and Bromley is struggling. Bromley is in the relegation zone. And I was like, this is this is very promising. And <laughs> Bromley scores just before halftime. So I'm down one nothing. I'm like, all right, we're we're playing well though. So I'm not too worried. The chances are gonna be there. And the team has started to score in these last couple of games, so things are fine. Nothing really happens. Like I come out for the second half and just like 20 minutes go by and nothing occurs. Like no, no incidents of note happen. I was like, this isn't going so well. So I'm like, let me open up. Let me, let me open up our, our game plan, get more attacking and kind of get after the, the kitchen sink aspect of trying to win this game. And during that phase, uh, Bromley scored two more goals. And so I lost (laughs) three, nothing to Bromley and the board, uh, when I went to the like board, uh, the, the board's opinion of my tenure, Everything else was fine. They're like, we're glad you. Know, we think the players you've picked up are good, and you're you're staying under our wage budget. Everything's good. And then at the very end, it's like the board is deeply concerned with the three nothing loss to Bromley. <laughs> yep, you should be. Yeah. Uh, so absolutely, and Bromley after that game actually like took off and like went up the standings and is now like in or close to the promotion places. So 
Um, yep. Yeah, Bromley uh, stomped my my hapless Ebsleet team and then took <laughs> off running up the standings while I am still like mid table and frustrated. You you should have chosen Bromley. I maybe I should have. I didn't like the badge as much though. That's all it was. You have a better badge. <laughs> if it, if the badge was just a picture of Ben, I would be like, okay, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> hey hey, welcome in. This is filibuster, the Black and Red United, and. What what is the nickname of Bromley FC? Does anybody know uh, this? Tell you. The the Benz, it should up, be. Up the Archivists <laughs> podcast. I'm Adam Taylor, joined as always by Ben Bromley and Jason Anderson. We're all from blackandredunited.com where we I, talk about I, DC United. Me, I, my my last name is now Bromley FC. <laughs> ben Bromley FC. Uh thank you. I'll note that for for future. I will not note that for the future. Um we, we talk about DC United on this podcast, and that's what we've got. Uh, we've got uh, some trade rumors and other news to look at. We've got a schedule for 2022 to break down. MLS Cup happened over the weekend. Um, and then we've got to get through the, the third of four editions of Cake or Death, our annual season review, looking at each player on the roster. Um, we've got some names on that list to get through in the second segment. Before we do anything, though, Mr. Bromley FC, what are you drinking? So the nickname for uh, Bromley, at least according to Wikipedia, is uh, The Ravens. So Up The Ravens, which is a really good nickname. Also coming back to the Edgar Allan Poe aspect of this podcast. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Up up The Ravens, uh, 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 put your enemies, uh, brick up your enemies uh, with the Amontillado. Yes, the official drink, of course, is... Amontillado, a Bromley yeah, FC. Yeah. Um, ben, I feel like you do need to get into Wikipedia, though, and adjust it so that their nickname includes the Archivists, and we'll see if we can make this happen. Adam, I haven't been an Archivist for like eight years now. And? Once an Archivist, always an Archivist. <laughs> that's, mean, what, yeah, I guess. that's what everyone so, says. <laughs> it <right>. is known. <laughs> so I'm drinking a, a, a bourbon and mulled cider tonight. It, it, it's not cold, really enough cold enough yet for mulled cider, but uh, we just decided to do it. Uh, and so we have some apple cider. We, we poured in some mulling spices and then you mix it up with some bourbon and it's good time. Nice. I've got some red wine uh, that my wife bought and opened um, for dinner tonight and there was some left. So I'm drinking it. It's good. It's tasty red wine. Does it have a is name? It's just red or wine, or is it? It is. Is it a called red on the bottle? It is a. It is a Malbec Syrah blend. Uh, 2019. It's from Argentina, according to the bottle. It's good. I like it. What are you drinking there, Jason? Uh, so. Before before the show, we we had a brief uh, diversion onto the the many Gambrelses, uh, and I was not too far from there. I was in Odenton, uh, back at Crooked Crab Brewing, which I think I've I've talked about a couple of times on the show, uh, because Crooked Crab answered my long-standing call on this show to make ESBs. Um, they just mm-hmm. about two weeks ago uh, released their first ever ESB. It's called Bangers and Mash. And I went over there and made sure to get some cans of it. And it's pretty great. Uh, I'm actually on my last one. So this is, uh, I have to, I guess, go back over there pretty soon. Because one, 
other breweries make some ESBs. Don't just make it the one. Um, yes. But two, uh, this one's really good. Uh, we, I, I, we, I, I should say I crap on England a lot in words that come out of my mouth, but ESBs are a wonderful contribution to the world from yeah, they're, that they're tiny island in the North good Atlantic. Good job, England. Yeah. Yes. That- good job on ESBs and nothing else. <laughs> Adam, you might say that they're extra special. They are. And bitter. bitter. <laughs> they're also bitter. Um, that is what everyone says this yeah. uh, about them. Uh, I am I am very pro ESB. We've had this conversation before on this show. So I will move this on. Is, to this is episode 499. We've had every conversation before. It's true. It's true. Uh, and yeah, we're almost to a big milestone episode. So tune in next week for another normal episode that just has a very special number attached to it. An extra special number. No bitters, but... Nothing bitter, just extra special numbers. Except, except um, all three of us will be drinking a full pint glass of bitters. Oh, God. Oh, no. no. <laughs> oh, no, Jason. You're free to do what you want, Jason. I am not doing that. I don't, like, I have several bottles bottles of bitters in my house. I don't know if I have enough to fill a pint I, glass. I'm also, I'm I can't even imagine, I can't even imagine the economics of filling an entire pint glass with bitters. Well, I'm also just picturing the practical thing of, like, like an Angostura bitters bottle with the little cap that allows you to only do you're one drip at a time. It. And right, you're just standing right. there for like half an hour. Like, I can't believe we all agreed to do this for the show. This is, it's not we even going to be, it's not going to taste good. And now I've got to spend half an hour just standing over this pint glass. Or like uh, if you, all you have are the, the multiple really, bottles of bitters. You have the fancy bottles of bitters that use the dropper and you're just doing it one <laughs> yeah, little pint at a time. You know, you're not going to like figure out how to bust that plastic thing off and pour it in uh, quickly to do your stupid thing more efficiently. You got to do it to the full hilt, and that means one drip at a time uh, and just a long wait to ceremony. Then come on the show and be like, "God, this is stupid." Um, <laughs> moving on to conversations, I don't know that we necessarily want to have, but we have to because that's the news right now. The LA Galaxy are reportedly in pursuit of DC United designated player, Paul Ariola, U S men's national team winger attacker. Um, been an important part of this team since he arrived several years ago. And uh, you know, he obviously spent part of this year on loan at Swansea and another big chunk hurt, but um, it is also a, we we've called it a force multiplier. Hernan Losada has called him the best player on the team. Um, he's obviously an important piece here uh, in in the nation's capital, and LAFC are after him. LA Galaxy, up, not LAFC. LA Galaxy, not LAFC. Sorry, I misspoke. Uh, the Galaxy are after him. He came up through their academy at least briefly before he signed his first pro deal with Tijuana. Um, moved from there to DC, uh, so it would represent a homecoming for him, um, but don't really want to see him go at this point. And I think that seems to be the opinion of a lot of DC United fans. Yeah, I think, I think DC United now needs to move into a, a, a a different zone. Like they have been good at uh, uh, doing well by players who want to leave in the past. And for a lot of players, that's fine. Uh, I think some of us have had some disagreements 
I think uh, I had some disagreements, especially about uh, Wayne Rooney leaving. Uh, But at the end of the day, they did what they did. But from all that we can see, at least at least publicly right now, like it's not like Paul Ariola is like in the press wanting to leave. The way that the, this situation has come out is that the LA Galaxy want Paul Ariola. It's right. not that Paul Ariola necessarily wants to leave. And so, if the Galaxy want Paul Ariola, I think that Dave Casper and Lucy Rushton. Uh, uh, should exact as much value as they can if if Ariola wants to leave as well. I think I think they are under no obligation to just let him go. That this this is a player at the peak of his value. He is a USMNT starter. Uh, Sebastian Legette just went for one point two million dollars uh, in general allocation money today. I know part a lot of that is uh, performance based, but still, uh, uh, Ariola is younger and also a current starter. So he should go for much more than that. Um, and so I, I think United is in a is in a solid position where they if if the galaxy want uh Areola, they should extract as much value as they can because he is a key part of this team. And uh, and they deserve to be compensated for that. We can talk uh, uh, a little later about like how this might might uh, form the team going forward. But just on on this on its face, DC United should get as much as they can from this transaction if it happens. And if it doesn't happen, they still have Paul Ariola, who's a great player. And it it does seem like. So far, the way the media literacy side of this all points to the Galaxy and possibly Ariola's agent uh, informing the story. Um, Yes. But, you know, that that doesn't necessarily mean Ariola wants to move. Um, It just means, you know, if you're a player's agent and they get an offer from somewhere else, that's a positive. Um, And so you, you do that's part of the job. Um, the galaxy, I, I, I guess the thing that is curious to me that I haven't really gotten past is just, it's kind of a curious move for the galaxy to want. Um, I don't know that Ariola fits the way they want to play more than he fits DC's pressing system where it's obvious that he fits. Um, the galaxy tend to be a little more focused on playing at a slower tempo, a little more technical. Um, maybe they view him as like, We've got we're too technical and too you know too slowing right. it, too much slowing it down. We need somebody that can change the tempo a little bit. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it's it it never occurred to me that the galaxy would pursue the move. Um, it, it didn't seem it just didn't cross my mind as like a, a team that would want to trade for him. Um, maybe Greg Vanny wants to change something about how he approaches the game. You know, the end of his time in Toronto wasn't perfect. Maybe he's like maybe I have some things that I need to focus on. He got um, Nick DeLeon in the, the re-entry draft at Toronto a few years ago. He just loves Ben Olsen wingers. Maybe, maybe that's all it is. Um, he just yeah, has it, a thing for wingers from, from it, Ben Olsen. It is a, it's a curious move, but I mean, it's been reported by enough people where it's obviously not a theoretical. It's someone, someone's trying to make this happen. Whether it happens or not is a different thing, but 
it is possible as long as it's going on like this. And, you know, like Ben, I think um, this is a situation where you've got a player who hasn't quite hit his age peak yet. Um, So theoretically, his value should continue to go up, which means that if the Galaxy want to make a move for him, they have to pay. You should be getting not just his current value, but also the fact that he might increase in value. You're trying to then add that into the deal, whether it's a sell-on or whether it's just the deal costs a little more than it would on just raw value for yeah. today. Um, but yeah, uh, that's a, it's a curious situation because DC will um, have a, a bit of a problem on their hands in replacing him. But at the same time, um, you know, as, as much as Ariola has been this excellent force multiplier, I tend to think of that style of player as maybe more of a TAM player unless they are absolutely unquestionably the best at doing that in the league and oh i assume the galaxy would make him a tam player like he's he's in the tam range now it's just his salary's not being bought down with tam but it's eligible too and my assumption is the galaxy would do so well i'm not concerned with what the galaxy do once he goes if he were to go over there uh, via trade what i'm concerned about is um if you're dc and you're saying like well we don't want to trade a designated player um without getting full value um i also i do wonder if the team would be able to turn a designated player spot into someone who plays similarly but um can bring a little more in terms of production bring a little more um you know a more of a guarantee of fitness as a, a mm-hmm. i think matt doyle has said a few times over the years uh staying fit is a skill um and dc's designated players both uh, have I mean Ariola missed eight games this year, so that's not good, but it's not like appalling. Um, eight games due to injury, I should say. Um, Edison Flores missed a bunch more and did the same in 2020. Um, DC's got to have designated players who can play 30 plus games, and that on I mean, as much as I, I feel like Ariola has been mostly quite good here, it does have to factor in. Um, and it's it's a deal that DC shouldn't. If the Galaxy come in and are like, we'll send, um, you know, 750000 in GAM or whatever, then DC should say, like, okay, we'll call us back when you have a real offer. Um, yeah. Because we know we know what you just did with Legit. And Ben bringing that up is a good point because that that changes the value of Ariola and, and any other USMNT player right now. Um, because Legit is on the outside looking in with that squad at the moment. So if he's worth X at 29 years old, then the Y value for Ariola is higher. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's a strange thing, but it's also, uh, you know, I think DC should be willing to listen is I guess where I'm landing on it. Well, and also just like, if things were equal, if, if the contract length and, and tradability of things were equal, I would rather keep, and I think a lot of uh, fans would probably rather keep Ariola than, Edison Flores, but the contract lengths are not equal, and uh, uh, the the value on those contracts are not equal, and Paul Ariola has a much higher trade value uh, in MLS and, yes. and transfer value uh, outside of MLS, if they wanted to go that way, than Edison Flores does. And so I, I think they're, uh, between the two DPs, I think... Uh, they have a lot more upside in in trading uh, Areola right now, whereas I think 
Flores has no ups. Like I, I don't think like if they wanted to uh, transfer Flores, they'd probably only be able to do so just to to dump him off the books, and that would be the only right. I, value yeah, I, I assume Flores will be, be back. This year, yes, I assume so as well. Yeah, he's under contract. There's, yeah, he's under contract for three more seasons. Um, Right. Yeah, and those aren't option years. Those are there's an option year at the end of those three years, uh, right through 2024, and then the club, I think, has. I I think it's one of those where it's like not 100 percent sure, but probably has the option year beyond that. Um, But yeah, that's another. That's a different problem altogether with with Flores is getting um, finding a way to make that work uh, more consistently. But for Ariola. Um, yeah, uh, he is the player of the DPs that teams would be more interested in MLS. He doesn't require an, uh, international spot. So that's another, we're seeing those spots become, uh, more highly valued thanks to yes. Nashville, uh, almost Nashville just, raising just, just the rate on everyone. Blowing up the market. Um, yep. which it, is, which for is For those of you not paying attention to the specifics, uh, a year and a half ago, I want to say, uh, they, the going rate, even close to the trade deadline or the, the, the roster compliance deadline was around 100, 125K for um, an international roster spot. Nashville is paying a quarter million in GAM. We're get, not, getting, not even TAM. Not paying, getting. They're getting. They're yeah. getting. Um, Charlotte yeah. started it by paying yes. 250. Let me get on the record with Ariola. Um, so one of the reasons that, that United might entertain this is, and this is speculation on my part, but we know that Losada favored three, five, two before he came to MLS that like at, at Bearscoat that, that was his base formation here. It's been more three, four, three, three, four, two, one, but he has played some three, five, two. I don't know where you fit Paul Ariola in a three, five, two with the current version of DC United. Cause he's not going to push Gressel or Paredes off of wing back and he he's probably not playing in central midfield. So you either have to play him as a second forward or he's not playing. Well, no, well, they, and I don't they, know that he's a second forward as, as his best. Well, that, that runs into a different problem, which is like last year, they, when they played partially because they were short on players, when they right. moved to more three, four, one, two, they played him underneath Roberta and Kamara a few times. Um, right. As a pressing 10, but he's not giving you a lot of production there. Right. And the other problem is that, um, you know, he started until he started having um, uh, a couple injuries towards the end of the season. Um, he did start a couple games as a forward in a front two, um, but right. that's not really a natural fit for him. Um, yeah, exactly. I also would argue that DC overall did not play well with a front two. Um, right. We don't have, most a, we of didn't have a second forward at that point. Um, we had two center forwards, two strikers who sure. were are, are straight up number nines in Roberta and Kamara. And they, you know, they, they tried to work off of each other. It didn't always come off. Um, so United went from a situation earlier in the year when they would play three, five, two, it was with Flores and Perez, neither of whom is a, a real right. traditional number nine. And then at the end they were playing with two traditional number nines. They never had the right personnel. It was all, the formations were almost reactionary. But I wonder if Losada wants to get to 3-5-2. And if he does, um, I'm not saying he would move Areola to facilitate that. But if that is something that he he considers something he might want to pursue, Areola is is a square peg. And so it could, 
if it happens, it could point in a direction is what I'm saying, I guess, more than anything. But yeah, and I mean, uh, on, oh, go ahead, Ben. No, I was just going to say, and this is the first offseason that uh, Losada and Russian are in charge. So this is the first season that they really get to put the, the offseason, that they get to uh, put their stamp on the team. And so we'll be learning a lot about what they want to do throughout this entire offseason. And uh, as of now, yeah, the, the uh, Areola uh, uh, news is all coming from LA, uh, the LA Galaxy, so... We, we don't yet know uh, 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 Losada's reaction to that, but we'll, we'll, we'll learn about it soon. Yeah, it could well be that United doesn't want to trade him unless the price, unless they get, you know, an un... An yeah, undeniable, 1.5 million irresistible. Game and, yeah. Well, no, it would have to be more than 1.5 to be irresistible, I think, especially given the, the Mark Leggett set. Like, has there been a $2 million gam transaction no you might have to get close to that for them to just like if they want to keep him for them to say we have to take it anyway you'd have to get up to two million i think uh on la's side i think the point you made jason is is exactly right um for them i remember you think about Ariel in 2018 where he was probably had the best stretch of goal scoring in his career and it was Mm. by being the direct off ball runner when everyone was looking at Rooney and Acosta, he would just be like, okay, I'm going to run at goal now. And he scored a bunch of goals doing that. And that makes perfect sense for what LA does, uh, I think. And it it makes him and them better. And so I can see what Vanny would actually see in that. But this is just a couple of reports on Twitter at this point. Um, who knows if anything will come of this. We'll, we'll obviously be following it very, very closely on this podcast, but uh, this was all speculation. Essentially. We don't have any reporting beyond what's on Twitter. And that is that LA may have made contact with his agent and is interested in pursuing him. That's, that's as far as the facts go right now. So we'll, we'll, you know, we'll see if there are further developments and, and we'll talk about them here. Um, I I do want to just add one little clarification here that, um, most likely, uh, I know. I know there is a read on this where it's like the galaxy are coming to steal Ariola away. I know people got very uh, upset about that pretty quickly. But most likely, the galaxy, if if they've already spoken to his agent to talk about that side of the deal, then most likely they've talked to DC and say, "Can we at least talk to him?" Um, yeah, because the, the galaxy are not Orlando. Um, they're probably right. that, not going tampering. to get a tampering. Right, they're not going to get themselves a tampering fine. So they probably got themselves set up where they're doing this on the up and up um, and just haven't made any kind of offer to DC. But, you know, again, we're still um, coming through. I think it's, you know, the the people that have reported this out are not, it's, you know, Steve Goff and uh, Roger Gonzalez and a couple of other uh, people whose names are escaping me. Um but it's all come. It's not just like a random dude on Twitter. Um, it's not the right. there was the there was an RSL reporters making this. There was an RSL thing earlier today that got around that was from like RSL Bob six nine four twenty or something like that. And it was like <laughs> I don't know nice. that I would want to hear this from somebody else uh, before I start thinking about whether this is real or not. Um, but yeah, um, there is probably something to it, uh, and it is. And you know, Ben made a good point that if it doesn't pan out, then DC still got a really good player and also it doesn't feel like the Lucho situation with PSG in that 
going from DC to the galaxy is not going from MLS to PSG. Um, it's a sideways step. It's not a big vertical step for like a one, one time only uh, personal enrichment at a club that otherwise he was never going to end up at. Um, the, the galaxy are just a different MLS team. Um, right. So I, I don't think you're going to end up with him being like, like spiritually broken by a, a trade not working out. Right. And, and he'll be on the, he'll be on the USMNT regardless of which team he's on. Right. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the big news of today, we're recording this on Wednesday and that is the 2022 schedule is officially out. MLS dropped it this afternoon. It's mostly quite good. I want to say, um, Lots of Saturday games, only five uh, instances where DC United has three games in eight days, as opposed to 2021, where that was the norm. More than half of the games were in three and five, although there's 15 games in it. So, you know, you have any three and eights and they stack up in a hurry. So even though mm-hmm. there's only five of them, uh, that's still 45% of the games. Uh, in 2021, it, it was it seemed like there were more weeks not just more games but more weeks that were three in a week than weren't it was absurd uh frankly it broke all of us and it broke many dc united players too so i'm very glad to see that won't be the norm in 2022 um four national tv dates for dc united none of them on network tv unless you know they get a decision day flex there but a couple games on espn a couple on univision channels um that those four national team TV games is a, a, I guess, 400% of what they had this year uh, with their one game that was on Twitter. And that counted as a national TV game for some reason. Because it was uh, also um, uh, two DNA uh, because yeah. the Twitter games are all um, in English on Twitter uh, because people yelled at MLS so much about uh, national TV games that aren't in English. Even though you'll yeah, be fine, on... watch the Spanish language game, you'll be okay. Yeah. It's probably also on the blockchain. No, uh, we're not. No. no. <laughs> we're rejecting that one. Uh, <laughs> so uh, what stands out to you guys about the schedule? Um, I mean, these I'm United a... or the leagues as a whole? I'm a little, like, as an East Coast person, I don't like the the MLS after the DCU after dark games. So I'm a but also I like their wackiness. So I'm a little sad there's only one DCU after dark game. But on the other hand, I'm not sad that there's only one DCU after dark game. They go to uh, LAFC and play at ten thirty, uh, which will probably start at ten forty five Eastern time. So. That's the one, the, the the one very late game that DC United will be playing uh, next season. You you don't yeah, miss that... you don't miss the last year's 11 p.m. kickoff uh, in San Jose. No. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, that, that, that used to be common. Like that, that used to be common. Like there used to be like two or three. We used to play like, a lot more West Coast teams. Right, right. Like Vancouver, like would start at like 11.30 or something no, 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 when no. they went to Vancouver. Vancouver. The Canadian teams all love a, an early kickoff. Daytime. Um, yeah. Which has continued, actually, um, this year as well, because at Toronto, when DC's at Toronto, it's at three, because I guess they are a wee Britain uh, is in their way. <laughs> yeah, isn't actually the Toronto at DC game also early, like four o'clock or something like that? That one, uh, maybe, maybe they changed it, uh, or maybe I misread it, but... 
No, yeah. it's four o'clock. So they, that's they a, like sun. Uh, one of the they rare like the, daytime kicks at Audi. They Field. like playing in the sun, which Tor- I mean, Toronto I wants to be in bed at eight thirty. Um, they I, do, I do too. Same. Hard same. Toronto's got kids, man. Well, <laughs> I, I don't know. Tired. I, I guess in this in this situation, I am thinking like San Jose might be onto something with these. Uh, <laughs> let's push it back even further. Why not? Um, at midnight, a midnight Eastern game. <laughs> I mean, if they're going to play a noon uh, Pacific time MLS Cup, why not? Right. Um, yeah, that LAFC game is the only West Coast team, not just the only trip to the West Coast, the only team from Cascadia or California that DC United is going to face this year. And the nature of that game is rough. It is almost as rough as it could possibly be. I mentioned there are only five instances of of three and eight. Three of them are essentially stacked back to back to back in July and August, um, starting July 13th and then culminating uh, in a home game three days after this LAFC game. But that's not the worst part for me. Uh, The worst part is that I specifically like when I talk about scheduling things that should never happen in MLS, it's going from new England to the West coast on short rest and then coming back on short rest. And that's exactly what DC United has to do at the end of this uh, nine game in five week stretch is the final three games of them are at new England at LAFC home against Philadelphia. So basically Philly is going to murder DC United players. I have no idea what the results on the field will be, but I expect there will be several DC United injuries just in that game. And, and I'm already Adam, mad about it. Adam, can can we can DC United contract D Row just for that game to just like run at Philly players and, and scare them into not injuring DC United players? Uh I I probably not, but I think it's worth looking into. I mean, for one game, for one game, I mean, I bet D Row could still, I, I bet D Row could still kill it for one game in MLS. I feel I like D Row could still just destroy it. If we're doing a one game thing to intimidate the other team, get get Tom Wilson from the Caps. That's all I want. I think he's the no, best no, candidate for that play role. So- he doesn't know how to play soccer. I don't, you don't know that. I know the Caps like to do a juggling circle before no, I, games. I, 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 I don't I don't know what I don't know what you're talking about with hockey. Guys, I'm talking about soccer players. If, if yes, we and I'm saying int- sign the hockey player to for one game as a soccer player. If we want no, to intimidate no, the Philadelphia no. Union, what we need to do is hire the MLS playoffs as a concept and put Hey-o. them on the field. There it is. Sorry, sorry to our Union fan listeners, but it's the truth. Um, <laughs> I. You know when I'm when I'm looking at the schedule, I'm I'm I tend to always want to look at the beginning and end because I, you know, for years DC teams if they didn't get rolling early never really got going, and those were usually the years that were very bad. Um, whereas the Ben Olsen teams that were successful and actually got into the playoffs with some degree of comfort were all they all managed. They may, maybe didn't play their best soccer, but they got results early. Um, yeah. And DC this year has been set up really, really well uh, to do that. I mean, it's still the off season. There's still plenty of time for these teams to all improve themselves, but we're talking about Charlotte FC. Their first ever game is at Audi field. We're talking about FC Cincinnati as game two and game 34. 
Um, right, yeah, they get those... to end the season again with FC Cincinnati, yes. which is it's, at this point becoming a tradition. Um, they might as well continue. Uh, that, I hope it goes uh, better this time. Sure, sure. Um, it's, but it, yeah, um, what, so, got... so now is it the chi- now is it the Chili Cup, the Ben's the Ben's Chili Bowl versus Cincinnati Chili uh, Chili Cup? As long as the bet is not requiring me to eat terrible pasta sauce, if if. DC United loses. I think, um, I think sure. we should avoid turning this into a chili cup because of how often it will derail this podcast. Um, <laughs> just, Jason just, is in it for self-preservation at this point. Right. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, like it's game three is Chicago. It was Chicago with uh, Ezra Hendrickson as their brand new coach. No idea how that's going to go, but he hasn't been a head coach before um, in MLS. Toronto uh, wasn't very good last year, as we all know. Um, do they it's have a, coach a really, yet? uh, I do not believe so. Bradley. Um, so it, wait, oh, yeah, they got Bob Bradley, that's right. Oh, yeah, they got Bob Bradley, but, yeah, but yeah, so, right. so it's on paper, it's a soft opening and it's a soft closing because DC's got home game is against Cincinnati. Like I said, the game 32 is a home game against Miami, and this is the uh, post salary cap violation punishment version of Miami, which is to say a team that's having to trade like Lewis Morgan was their best attacking player, not named Iguain, uh last year. And they had to trade him to the Red Bulls because most likely just so they can do other stuff because their roster was bad. Because um, they have no money. Yeah. Right. Because, they, and you know, in, in the middle of that is a match at Montreal, which probably won't be easy, but it's not, you know, it's not at New England at that point in the year. It's not at Sporting KC, which is just the game leading into this, those final three. Um, so yeah, DC has been set up where, they can get off to a good start on paper. We still, you know, who knows what those teams are going to look like, but set up to start well and also set up where if they need points in those last three, hopefully they don't. Hopefully those those last three are about climbing up further and, and clinching uh, home games and buys and whatnot. But if they absolutely need points at the end. With the shield. The final three. Yeah, exactly. Um, those final three games are, you're not going to do much better if you had to ask right now, what teams would you, would you, what would you like to do if you're playing two at home and one away in the East? Um, and one of them has to be a team that's okay. Um, Miami, <laughs> Cincinnati, Montreal is probably going to be your list. So um, I like that aspect of it um, that for sure it's, it's, it's very helpful to get off and not just, you know, if you dig further in, you know, in April, they play, they host Austin and Houston if anyone remembers last year's Western Conference, yeah. the Texas teams were all the bottom. They were the three bottom teams were the three Texas teams. Um, so hosting them is a plus. I, I know Houston's made some changes, but um, yeah, the schedule seems to have set DC up where they can build some points early and, and bank some points uh, before everyone is really getting at their best, um, which is very helpful, it turns out, in MLS because everyone goes through a little flat phase. Um, and you don't want that to come through. And then you're like, oh, wow, we're in like 11th after our, our lull. Um, you'd like to be in like seventh after your lull. Cause then you're, you're climbing back up the table again. Um, so that's hopefully where we're headed. Uh, so what I'm hearing is the, the Edison Flores MVP train leaving the station <laughs> or maybe pulling into the station. We'll see. Yeah. Why not? Uh, yeah. I mean, the, as Nashville fans, will point out and have pointed out the the carlos hill uh mvp candidacy was a lock at 
the midpoint of the season. It, it was done. The race was over at that point, and it was just who's going, who else is going to get be a finalist. So maybe to Edison be, Flores can handle that this year. To be fair I'm, to Carlos Hill, he also absolutely deserved the MVP yes. over Hani Mukhtar. Um, yeah, Hani Mukhtar the best player absolutely on the best deserved team. to be second. Um, yes, but anyway, Being the best player on the best team in the league uh, in, in league history by by the metric that counts most which is points uh will will get you the mvp no matter what anybody else does most of the time um quick hits on uh some dc united news before we take a quick break here and come back with cake or death joseph mora uh he was already gone uh he was not going to be back in black and red next year but his mls rights now are with charlotte fc after they selected him in the expansion draft, DC United gets 50000 in GAM uh, as compensation for the pick. And if MLS keeps the same rules for next year's expansion draft involving St. Louis, uh, DC United will be exempt. They won't have to worry about anybody being taken if that rule holds, which hopefully it does, because that's nice. So, yeah, this is basically the best case scenario, because yes. DC United gets money for pl- a player that wasn't coming back and gets an exemption from next year's uh, expansion draft. Yeah. Did, uh, but did not expect that to be the way that played out. Um, no. And was quite literally standing in, in the checkout line at target uh, watching the expansion draft play out when um, without sound, because I figured that was rude and just interpreting images. And I, so I had to wait and I saw DC United players running around. I was like, Oh, they picked someone from DC. And then when Mora p- popped up, I was like, all right, um, they must be worried that someone else is going to negotiate with him ahead of them, and they just want to secure that, and they don't care if DC gets the extra money, because it's not, Charlotte doesn't have to give that money up. That's yeah. MLS that sends the money. Um, so everyone wins. Uh, they get the player they wanted. DC gets some money that otherwise was not going to show up. Um, and Mora goes somewhere he's wanted, and yeah, he's and, probably and, a better fit. Yeah, if, if they play a back four, uh, he will fit right in and, and probably be perfectly good starter for them for quite a while at a position that a lot of teams kind of struggle at. Yeah, uh, it's not easy to get a left back out there. Uh, DC United connected with a couple potential offseason signings, Argentine attacker Eric Ramirez and a goalkeeper named Luis Mejia, who looks likely to go to Europe and is a 29-year-old or 30-year-old goalkeeper, somewhere somewhere in that range. Yeah, 30-year-old goalkeeper uh, taking up an international slot. Don't expect that one to happen. Eric Ramirez is a little uh, more interesting, but who knows at this point? It's silly season. And just a little more typical of DC, right? Like a Gymnasia winger attacker type of guy. It sounds like a DC move. And right. I, mean, I think with with the history of DC United, and but also now with the compounding uh, factor of Hernan Lozada, I feel like we're going to get a lot of random silly season rumors that never turn out to nothing. Absolutely, I mean, uh, our our friend Ryan Kiefer at Black and Red United has has pointed out that Lozada's already been spotted at a random reserve game in Argentina uh, this in this past week. Um, Right. And so people in our, he, he's recognizable down there. And so uh, outlets will run with whatever they find. So maybe we'll, we'll hear some more and get some more fun rumors. Um, another fun rumor. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even think you can call it a rumor. DC United and Belgian club Cortre have reportedly agreed in principle to transfer Brendan Heinzeich to DC United. 
which is good news. We we knew that they were in talks uh, on our last show, but um, this it sounds like it's it's all but done. So it's just a matter of announcing him and and finalizing that deal, which is good news. He he should be here. DC United it was better when he was on the field. Um, the most important player in the back line this year, though, was Andy Nahar. DC United uh, exercised the option on his contract, which uh, was a little bit foreboding because we know he was looking for more money than he got this year and probably that the option than the option would provide. Um, he is reportedly not happy about that and, and about the money that would be coming his way. He wants to be paid more. He may be looking for an out, whether that's in the Middle East or elsewhere. Um, so uh, I, I just want Andy to be happy. I would like him to be happy here with DC United, uh, and I would like the front office to make Andy happy. So that is my position on that: is is pay the man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he was he was the he was the the key player on that back line. So he should. I, I feel like he should be paid in line with the rest of that back line. Yeah, the most predictive but, thing about a result, DC United was going to have last year was whether Andy Nahar was starting at right center back. That's it. That's all you needed to know to make a good bet on a game. And, and a player that's just extraordinarily difficult to replace. Um, yeah. You're not going to find a player with a dangerous yeah. winger's skill set who can play right center back um, yeah. with with any, any decent effect. Like um, if you think of other right wingers in MLS who are very effective and then you put them at right center back, they're not going to do well. Uh, they're going to struggle. Right. Um the other MLS teams that tried their version of the the Nahar gambit, so to speak, they used right backs. They use right backs that are maybe attacking right backs, but they're still guys that are like right backs. They're not a winger type that it, it can play in the back. Um, and the difference is that it, it, you don't get that dribbling ability coming from angles that teams are just not accustomed to. Um, and it was such a huge factor for DST. I can't emphasize enough how much of a difference it made, not just record wise, but like you could see the team had so many more options. Um, and they're not, if, if Nahar wants to leave, they're not going to be able to just go find a guy that can do that. This is not finding, uh, a new wing back or finding a defensive midfielder, all due respect to those positions. Um, Nahar is playing the position in a very different way from anyone else on the squad and anyone else in the league. Um, and also, if you did find a player that could replace him, you're talking about a supply and demand problem where the supply is very, very, very low. And therefore, the player is probably going to cost more money than Andy Nahar. Um, I will say the yeah. other side of that is with with Andy's fitness, the ability to play games on a consistent basis play more than 25 games in a season it is still a doubt uh you know they they got him through a lot this year but it also meant managing minutes quite often um Mm -hmm. and if he's getting called in for honduras we have to assume that there are going to be games that are honduras plays in the international window and then he comes back and dc rests him even though it's outside the window just to make sure he can play the game after that um so it is a tricky spot because you are saying like this player that is so important to the tactical approach is also maybe going to miss 25 to 30% of the season. Just kind of, you just have to assume that at this point. Um, and that would be awesome. Healthy. It would be awesome if he just was like, Oh, everything is fine. All of my problems are fine. And I can play these, uh, this terrible, uh, 
uh, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday stretch. I can do all of it. Don't worry about me. Uh, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, and so DC does have sort of a, it's, it's a complex problem, but I think also um, there are certain things that go beyond even the soccer side and retaining Andy Nahar and keeping him happy. It, it matters a little more than just, you know, what are the tactics of the team and that kind of thing. Uh, a club like DC shouldn't just be a pure mercenary. We're just trying to win the games this year and that's all we care about. There are bigger issues at play and, you know, what what player on this team could leave that would make people more unhappy that he's gone? And it's like Annie Nahar, Bill Hamid. That's like, that's, yep. that's the list. That's the list. Um, yeah. So yeah. You gotta, we, we wouldn't you be happy to see Paul Ariel go. Go if Paul Ariel goes to LA, no one's going to be happy about it. But people would be understanding, I think, right. of the decision that could have led to that. I don't know that there's any decision making thread that can make you happy about seeing Andy leave at this point. Like when he went to Anderlecht as a young player, that's one thing. But now, uh, if he yeah. or Bill leaves while they can still walk, uh, it, it, and, there's going to be and backlash. over over a relatively small amount of money. Um, yes. one of the, one of the things mentioned, I think from Pablo Maurer's reporting on this was that, um, he wanted to be paid more in line with the other defenders. Ben, Ben alluded to this. Um, the other starting defenders make like double his salary, but if the option they gave him as Pablo reported, got him up to 150,000, then you're risking him leaving over like 150,000 on the salary cap. I think you should just make it, make that deal happen. If, if that's, if that's the price yes. tag. If it's like, just, just make sure my salary is like near what the other defensive starters are. Just make that happen. Um, yeah. Just maybe, and pay maybe his, he's not asking maybe his demand money. is more. I mean, maybe it is. Yeah. More. We don't know what he's True. demanding, but if he wants a salary in, if it's just let me have a money in line with the other defensive starters, that one's easy. Um, that's a slam dunk. That's a like, Oh yeah, yeah. We can make that work. Don't worry. Um, I don't think DC should be so hard up against the cap where that, extra spend is going to cause too much of a problem and if it is maybe look at offloading somebody else quite frankly right um i mean you've got other players that can go that are less important there's been some money freed up against the cap jordy reyna is gone yeah Uh, felipe had a pretty sizable salary last year if i remember correctly they're talking to him but they're not on the books they're not going to pay him the same amount because otherwise they just resigned him what what 1.5 1.5 million in GAM for Paul Ariola. There's also Again, 1.5 is not enough. <laughs> let's let's throw this in since you mentioned Felipe Adam. Uh Junior Moreno is out of contract and the team is talking to him, but they did leave him and Felipe both unprotected. Um yeah. and that is to me a tell that they're like if we happen to lose one of these guys, we'll be okay. Um we want them back, but we're not going to break the bank yeah. to make it happen. Um Yeah. So right. they protected Alfaro and Perez over yes, those two guys, um, which, which is pretty important context here. So they've got ways if, if they just need to find a couple hundred thousand. And again, I'm speculating on that. But if that's all they need to find is like 150, 200, 250, they can find it. Um, and for yeah. Andy Nahar, maybe not for everybody on the team, but for Andy Nahar, they should find it. If, if that's all it's going to take, yep. just just find it, find that money and, and get that signed. And on that plea, we will call this a segment. We will be right back. Please stick around. It's Filibuster. All right. Say you're at work and uh, something unfortunate or untoward happens and you need some legal representation to, uh, to assert your rights. 
in that situation, whether a boss mistreated you, you were fired unfairly, uh, or, or, or something worse happens. Ben, in the District of Columbia and Northern Virginia, you know who to call, right? Yeah, you call the Ehrlich Law Office because you have rights. That's right. And your rights matter. And you deserve to be free from harassment. And you deserve to work. The Ehrlich Law Office handles workplace discrimination. They do civil rights. Uh, If you have a wage theft issue, they are there for you. If you have uh, a separation from your employer that you want to to get down on paper and you're dealing with a a non-compete clause or or something to to that effect if you uh if you feel like your civil rights have been violated by a local government call the ehrlich law office uh if you want a free consultation tell them we sent you go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster Uh, we would be derelict as an MLS podcast not to at least acknowledge the fact that the championship game uh, happened. MLS Cup was this past weekend, um, and uh, NYCFC went to Portland and won their first title in penalties, which it should be noted came before the Red Bulls won a title in their 26 years of existence. So uh, congrats Mostly just congrats to our friends, uh, Rafnaboe Rivera, um, Alexis Guerreros, Christian Polanco. Uh, basically, the Cooligans and, and Hudson River Blue are who we are happy for and no one else. Uh, we, we, we is strong there, Adam. You, you, didn't, you didn't run that we by any of the other members of you're, this You're not happy for regular, our, our frequent guests that come on, our friends that come on the show? I'm not happy for I'm NYC ambival- fans generally. I'm, I'm happy for our friends. I'm they got to experience some best. joy. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, NYCFC went up early when Portland made the bold defensive choice not to mark uh, Tati Castellanos, the Golden Boot winner, on a set piece. But it almost worked out for Portland. They they scored on basically the last kick of regulation to force extra time. Uh, where where very little happened, and then it went to penalties. Where NYCFC are just really good; they they keep winning on penalties, uh, or kept winning on penalties. Um, what are you guys taking away from MLS Cup twenty twenty one? I think my my main takeaway is actually just a full playoff takeaway, which is the playoffs were not very good. Um, no. Just as a spectacle, uh, the East had the only games that were good. The West didn't produce a single playoff game. They, they produced some bizarre games that were funny. Uh, Real Salt Lake winning, or advancing, I should say, not winning. Advancing yes. without ever taking a shot is very funny. Um, yes. But it's not good. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Well, and, the, go ahead, Ben. And it also just, like... For a number of years now, the, the the narrative has been, oh, the West is always better. The West is always better. And like this year, the West was not better by any, uh, no. in, in any way, shape or form. The East was, the Eastern Conference was solidly the better conference. And uh, my only, my only uh, uh, happiness that NYCFC won was that it, 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 it capped off the fact that the East was definitely the better conference this year. Uh, I will say I, I'm 
I kind of tired of seeing if this isn't even an anti Timbers thing or uh, my own personal issues with uh, Merritt Paulson or Gavin Wilkinson that extend outside of MLS. Yes, um, they're both terrible, but but this is more of a like just aesthetically. Um, Gio Savarese's teams are very well coached and they usually have a wizard or two out there that can, uh, win them games, but I don't want to see them play any more knockout games for like three or four years. They are boring. Um, they are fundamentally conservative and they just, they tend to win games. It's a little bit like Dom Kinnear's teams back in the day where they tend to win their playoff oh, games on set pieces yes. and they have, you know, one I- guy whether it's Sebastian Blanco for Portland or Brad Davis back in the day for, for Houston, they have one guy that will turn, you know, a goal out of nothing, but it's just like, uh, if I, if my team isn't going to be contending, um, which hopefully 2022 is the start of not having to worry about that anymore. Um, I would like the, the teams that are contending and Portland goes deep in every tournament. They are excellent at knockout soccer. Um, We'll see them in the open cup. They'll probably go to the quarter or semifinals this year. I just don't want to see them boring me to tears waiting for Sebastian Blanco to give them a one, nothing win on out of like five shot attempts. I would at least rather see a Pablo Mastroeni team do like weird stuff rather than a Gio Sarvese team. Just do just like boring, regular stuff. They're very good at what they do. I just don't want to see it anymore is the thing. It's very much like, um, I don't know, like if, if there's a filmmaker that makes, you know, if like Pixar, I don't particularly care for Pixar movies. I, I don't find them interesting at all. I acknowledge that they're very good at what they're trying to do. Personally, totally uninterested in watching them. I don't think they're bad. I just don't want to see it. Um, and Portland is, to me, the MLS Pixar, where it's like, say, well, you're great at what I, you I do, would, leave me alone. <laughs> I would say more, uh, Portland is MLS's James Cameron where I really don't care about what James Cameron does. Yeah, but James Cameron spends more money than anyone else in Portland for all their foibles. Don't spend more money than this. everyone else. They I spend a lot too, of money. I don't want to go too far to the weeds on this, but I think James Cameron also, his movies tend to have more action in them than Portland games, um, <laughs> for better or for worse. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I found myself very frustrated when they, as dramatic as that ending was, and the fact that the goal doesn't happen if Steve Clark doesn't collect a loose ball about 30 seconds beforehand, um, because he he collected the ball, kept it in play, uh, Portland lost it, and NYCFC just bashed it out of bounds rather than playing it into space. Um, and that, that out of bounds is where the goal ends up coming from. Um, that part is all funny and kind of wild that Steve Clark comes forward to help out of the corner and ends up helping in possession that leads to a goal. Mm-hmm. But... Portland did not deserve a goal in that game. Um, the no. game should have finished one nothing in ninety minutes. Um, so, you know that's that's my main that and also the the Portland fans that threw uh, objects at the NYCFC oh, no. players. Uh, obviously, you know, good or immediately uh, ratted out to yeah. To apparently, all the other it. fans around them were like, "It's those guys. They're the ones that these two dudes threw the can and that hit that guy." Um, so that's good, but also that's bad um, because yes. you would rather not have a f- section of fans having to report someone who threw a like one pound metal object because that's what a like a tall boy at a sporting event. If you keep that a thing full, full tall boy, it looked like. you are throwing a 16 ounces with a metal shell around it. Uh, you can get some distance and you can cause some damage. So 
Um, I kind of don't understand why tall boys are, I, I kind of do understand there's probably a COVID issue where it's like, well, we can sell these contact free, but you know, you're probably not catching COVID from your beer. We've learned enough about the disease that we don't have to change how beers are being sold over COVID. That's not the thing with COVID that you need to worry about when you're at a stadium uh, surrounded by people. It's not your beer. It's the other people. Um, but yeah, don't sell tall boys at state. Like I love tall boys, but don't sell them at games because occasionally you get a, a jackass who gets riled up and decides to throw their full tall boy at someone. And that's bad. Yeah. The, the big takeaway from the game uh, on the soccer side for me was the weirdness. Uh, and this is again, is a playoffs thing. Uh, the weirdness of expected goals coming through in the playoffs better than they came through in the regular season. Because mm-hmm. normally when you have as many data points as the regular season, expected goals will win. And NYCFC was by far the best team or one of the two best teams in the league on expected goals all year long. They they should have been dominating. They should have run away with the supporter shield and they didn't. And then in the playoffs, they just kept winning or or at least getting to penalties and uh, on the road, which is not mm-hmm. easy to do. Um, so it was kind of weird to see statistics flipped on its head like that. And hopefully it's a good sign because... DC United did pretty well on XG last year during the season and obviously didn't come through in the final standings, but maybe things will, will turn. It has nothing to do. There's no connection there at all. I'm just <laughs> trying to draw one where there isn't. Let's do cake or death. Lightning uh, round. Uh, well, we're going to talk about a, a few players, at least a little bit first, before we get to the lightning round. First up, Junior Moreno. We we mentioned him earlier. He's out of contract. Uh, I don't think he's a free agent in MLS, so he can't sign anywhere else unless DC United gets compensated within the league, but he That's could correct. go abroad for no right. compensation. Uh, 28 appearances, 25 starts, uh, more than 2,100 minutes last year. Got his first goal for DC United, had three assists. Jason, cake or death for Junior Moreno? Uh, I'm definitely leaning towards GOAT. Um, I think Moreno fills the holding role, that, and I mean holding, like, if you're going to have Russell Knauss chasing the ball down and pressing people, you do need someone that will be more, have more of an aptitude to hold space. Um, so yeah, I, I think he is a very good compliment to Knauss. Um, but at the same time, I will say if DC can't come to a contract agreement with him, they will probably be able to be able to find a roughly similar junior Moreno clone out there without incredible difficulty i'm not saying that they will definitely be able to do it it is a roll of the dice to let him go but i think he's perfectly capable so i'm i'm definitely leaning towards goat provided that he's not in there saying like you need to make me a a, you know a a max salary player or something like that um which i don't think he is so yeah i'm leaning towards goat i agree everything you just said i co-sign okay except the goat part cake not no not not the nonsensical (laughs) I was going to take that as an acknowledgement, a binding acknowledgement. I caught it. Uh, I caught it. <laughs> I'm also on goat uh, just because I think like Moses Nyman doesn't do exactly what he does. And while I want more minutes for Moses Nyman, it's not in the same uh, uh, area. So they're not one for one replacements. Um but yeah, like Jason said, if it if it doesn't work out, I think they'll be able to find somebody else. So I want him back. I like him. 
he, he he's never i don't think he's ever gotten quite to the 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 peaks of his, his initial uh uh moments at dc united but he's been a very good player so i would like a very good player back uh, it's funny you mentioned moses nyman because he's next 19 appearances 10 starts 801 minutes um which is a number that will stick in Jason's brain for mm-hmm. at least the rest of this winter. No goals, two assists for the homegrown midfielder. Uh, I normally don't start with the same person, but Jason, you're going to take the lead on on Nyman as well. Uh, Cake I mean, or it's, death? It's obviously goat. Um, you, you, of course, you're going to want Moses Nyman back. Um, but yeah, DC's got to figure out a way to get him to that you know, that increased minute 800 isn't bad, but it's not what we talked about on this show. Um, and it ultimately, a lot of it was front loaded the back half of the season. Mm-hmm. He was barely playing. Um, and I do think some of that came down to form. His last couple of appearances uh, included that game where he got subbed out early and, and had basically said like, I don't have any gas left in the tank, which is still kind of a mystery. Um but yeah, he kind of was struggling there for a little bit. And that is part of the deal with a player that that's, that is that young, that they might go through a real struggle. Um, and you've got to find a way to get them out of it and get them back involved. Um, and you kind of have to take a chance on them a little bit. Um, early in the season, that that willingness to take a chance on him was there. And then later in the year, I think it was less. I mean, there was a stretch there at the end where he did have um I want to say a quad injury uh, down the last few games. So that contributed, but he wasn't before that he wasn't getting playing time. And, and even in a couple of games, wasn't in uniform um, that has to change. And I'm sure some of that is him um, training habits and training intensity, things like that, that weren't talked about, but I have to assume were a factor. Um, but yeah, the coaching staff also needs to find a way to work him in um, on a more regular basis because he is, he has the potential to be very special. Like the hype around him is for a good reason. It's fair hype. Um, but like with Kevin Paredes, you gave him playing time consistently. Look what happens. Um, but they've got to find a way to get Nyman more involved more regularly. Um, obviously he stays. I just want to see a full year application of a plan rather than for the first half of the year, it seemed like they were very aggressive. And then over time, it just sort of, he just got dialed back. Um, to the point that he was not really a factor in the last 12, 14 games of the season. I mean, yeah, that just, just I, I second everything Jason said. Just uh, I want to see Moses Nyman get more time and hopefully, uh, especially if the Open Cup comes back, he, uh, he should definitely get a bunch of time in the Open Cup and um, – Hopefully he can find ways to take that leap that Kevin Paredes did and uh, uh, stake his claim for uh, uh, plenty of minutes for DC United. Yeah, I agree. It's got to be cake, right? It's obvious. But the the interesting thing is how you get those minutes for him and what he needs to do. And I, I'm sure the coaching staff and the trainers have an offseason plan to focus on on each player, uh, customized to what they need from them going forward. And I I really hope Moses dives into his because um, I think he needs to bulk up. He needs to f- 
build some some strength in in areas to keep himself healthy and keep himself on the field um because he did have some muscle injuries last year um despite only playing 800 minutes across the season so i want to see him uh be more available and do the the hard background work to make that happen because his his skill on the field is is fantastic and he can be a huge piece for this team i think next year i don't think he's a long-term play i think he can be really important next season and i want to i want that to happen and but there's other things that that are a little bit less glamorous that need to come to bear before that can happen uh last one we're going to talk about in depth um tonight is another homegrown player donovan pines had 18 appearances 16 of them from the jump 1380 minutes no goals or assists but most center backs that's not an uncommon line um came in he he kind of lost his starting spot at the end but played a lot of games and a lot of minutes for this team ben what do you say about donovan pines cake or death definitely goat i don't know if he's a starter next year just off the uh, off the bat uh, like he has all the he has all the, the 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 possibilities he is fast he is athletic he is tall uh he's got he's got a lot of a lot of things going for him uh but sometimes it just doesn't seem to click i mean uh, i think some of it to me is definitely I think sometimes MLS refs call Donovan Pines four fouls just because of how tall he is. And that's not, not Pines' fault. I, th- I feel like sometimes he's just like, that's a tall man jumping and he must be committing a foul when he's not. But also there are definite times when he's uh, uh, in space that he gets beat and sometimes he uses his good speed to to fix it uh, but sometimes he doesn't and so i think he's a definite goat to stay on the team i hope he takes the step up because I, I feel like he has all the, all the capabilities to be a really great center back in this league uh but i hope it all starts to click together next year yeah agreed it, it's cake from me um and i think consistency is a huge thing from him at this point you'd see those individual mistakes which at center back are always amplified um but then you'd also see him ping a a 40 yard pass onto somebody's foot and you're like he has that he has that club um and he would do that at almost one for one every time that you'd see one side you'd see the other at some point and i just want him to to start changing that ratio a little bit to make it less neutral and more positive. Um, I think right now he's the number four center back on the team. Um, if you have, have Nahar starting on the right, Heinzeich in the middle and Birnbaum on the left. I think if, if Nahar's gone, then everyone shifts over. Basically Heinzeich plays the Nahar role, which he kind of did in the beginning of the season. That's how he scored his goal against NYCFC. Birnbaum moves to the middle and Pines is on the left. Um, like but they definitely the, need to sign more players if that if that happens. Yes, absolutely. They need to to get another top line center back if Nahar is gone, because and make some other changes too. Because that's 
that that's a, a system breaking, you know, departure if Nahar leaves. But I think Pines has a spot on this team either way. Whether he can push himself past Heinzeich or Burnbaum, I think he's got he's got the skill, he's got the ability to do it. Um, he just has to make it a consistent thing where he is constant he is playing at that level. You see him get happy feet when he has the ball in space. He's got to get more comfortable with it. He tried going forward some uh late in the season. Um and you know, he he had that moment where where everyone in the stadium was shouting shoot at him. Uh and I, I was not joking. I actually kind of wanted him to do it. Um but uh, he's got to get comfortable with the ball at his feet, I think, first and foremost. And then, you know, a little bit of defensive decision-making. And those are those are things that he can get better at. Those are not innate. He can improve on those. And I, I hope he does this offseason. Yeah, I think consistency is definitely the key here because I think his ceiling is higher than Birnbaum or Heinzeich. Um, it's just that those guys show up and play at roughly the same level virtually every single game and Pines will play mostly very good. It's just the, the mistakes he makes tend to be in mistakes. He makes in space, whether they are on the ball or off the ball, they're in space. Mm -hmm. And when you screw up in that amount of space, the, the stakes are even, it's not just that you're a center back. It's also that there's so much space for the other team to operate with and take advantage of your mistake. Um, and so those are the things he needs to lock in. And I think a lot of time it really is just, um, a focus level to make it, it's not slow decision-making. It's a lack of focus that leads to slow decision-making. Um, so there, I, I can't remember which game it was. It might've been Atlanta, uh, at Atlanta. Um, but there was a game where he had a chance to take the correct angle to end a counter and sort of shuttle it out towards the wing and it just took him about a second too long to get his feet set so that he could take the correct angle. And that second is what changed it from him having the opportunity to calm that play down to it becoming a goal. Um, and it's it's not that he made the wrong decision. It's that he took too long to get there. Um, and it does seem like sometimes the thought – he he gets the, he has the right idea. It just takes a little too long to get there. And it's almost like he's on pause for half a second. Um, it's not that he can't think the game quickly because we see it pretty frequently. Um, it's just that there are these certain moments where the thought just gets jammed up uh, for, for a moment and then it comes through, but it's too late. Um, if he starts cutting that out of his game though, uh, I think he becomes a starter on this team. Um, so yeah, it's, it's obviously goat and it's just a matter of getting that. I think if you just correct that, if his thought process is just more consistently, at the speed it needs to be, he's going to start. Um, it's just a matter of how much can you guarantee that? How long can he do that for? Um, I recall, obviously, the level of play is is significantly lower. But when Maryland won the national title with him at center back, he was it, his ability to think the game was higher than everyone else's. And he was thinking faster than everyone else's. And he was dominant in those games. Um, obviously, you can't just apply that and say, oh, he was good in college, so he'll be good in MLS. Um, but it does show that it's there, that there was a consistent period of time where he was able to think quickly on a routine basis um, and not get sort of in his own head. And if they can just solve that, I think he's going to be just fine. 
Um, but it is a difficult one to solve because it is something that kind of ha- it's not a, you know, we're going to go to the tactics board and we're going to go to video and go over this and that. It is kind of something that has to happen inside his skull to, to a certain extent that you can set, you can create an environment that might allow it to happen, but thinking quickly and not getting in your own head is kind of a thing that you just have to work out on your own. Um, and I'm sure he's trying. It's not like he's the kind of player who's talked about how settled he is on. Um, he's like, oh, I'm doing good enough. It, you know, whenever you hear Donovan Pines talk, he's talking about always, always talking about trying to get better and trying to get better. So I'm sure he's focused on it. And I really hope it works out because like I said, his best is going to be better than our other traditional center backs, better than their best. Um, yeah. That speed and size are game changing things. And we just need, uh, he just needs to take that, that next step on the mental side, that consistency side. And all of a sudden um, you're in a good place. We've talked so often on the show over the years about, um, you know, wouldn't it be nice to have a starting caliber defender who isn't starting? Um and if Pines can play up near his best and Andy Nahar is Andy Nahar, then you have Bernbaum and Heinz Eich, who are both starting caliber defenders, vying for one spot. And that's a very good situation. And I'd like the DC to get there. Uh, ben, it's your favorite time of the show. The lightning round. The lightning round. Uh, we're going to start with Joseph Mora, who we know is now on his way to, or at least his rights are on their way to Charlotte. Uh, he had 26 appearances, 16 of them starts, more than 1,500 minutes, no goals or assists. He will go down in DC United history as never scoring a goal, which is a little sad. Uh, I would have liked to see him, but he's gone. But if you had your druthers, Ben, cake or death? Fox. Uh, I think we've talked about this a lot. I, uh, I think he is a good player in a uh, four-back set, but I don't think he fits Hernan Losada's system. I agree. It's it's death and wish for... Uh, I strongly hope that he gets a, a rebirth elsewhere because he's a good player. He's very easy to root for. His last-minute slide tackles are wonderful, and uh, I hope he gets the opportunity to make them in Charlotte. Just yeah, not against it- us in week one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's Fox for me. Uh, Moore is a good player, but the system requires something else here. Next up, Andy Nahar. Um, we all know what the answer will be, but just to run down the line, 26 appearances, 23 starts, 1,900 minutes, one goal, and three assists. Um, it, it's cake across the board, right? Like, no one wants to get rid of Andy Nahar. We, we've talked about this. It's a, um, it's, a, it's a goat the size of a moon. Yes. Floating in space. That's that. That was the original cut of Star Wars, by the way. That's no moon. It was a giant uh, farm animal yeah. out there. Uh, Chris Duyachem, nine appearances, two of them starts, uh, only three hundred seventy-three minutes, no goal-scoring contributions. Um, Maryland guy uh, came in. I think could be a potential convert to an, a Nahar role type center back position just i don't know that he has the ceiling I, I i mean i know he doesn't very few players have the ceiling of andy nahar at that and i but it's an intriguing prospect uh for the future he's played some wing back in his limited minutes for losada jason cake or death uh i'm leaning towards uh goat as you know thinking of being honest like salary roster minimum um, someone that can play right center back or right wing back for a defensive phase, someone with tremendous speed. 
he's healthy, I don't have a problem with him sticking around, but it's also DC probably can find somebody else, but you know, top locker room guy as well. So I, I say mm-hmm. goat. I agree. Uh hundred percent. It's cake for for COA. Uh he can come in and, and do the job uh on a spot basis. If he's happy being here, I, I'm happy to keep him. Ben. Yeah, I uh, uh, goat for all the reasons that uh Jason said. Next one will also be an easy, unanimous, uh, across-the-board decision. Kevin Paredes, 24 appearances, 19 starts, 1,550 minutes. Why are you even even talking? (laughs) Because it's important to to say he got three goals and one assist, and what an assist it was. Um, That one assist to to Juan Chope. Um, Yeah, everyone's keeping Kevin Paredes uh, until he gets sold for... Uh, eight figures uh he will have a spot on this team i think Uh, next up eight eight, figures adrian perez 17 appearances 10 starts 869 minutes no goals but two assists uh for the the former lafc forward who who played uh he was he was losada's kind of utility man he uh played forward he played winger he played wing back for a, a very unfortunate game. Uh, he was all over the place. He, and he did everything he was asked. Mm-hmm. So Jason, what do you say? Cake or death? Uh, I say goat again, you know, if, if he's a starter as often as he was for the first half of this season, then that's probably a bad sign, but I, I don't think that's the plan. So um, I say goat perfectly good uh, supporting cast member for this team. I think. Ben. Yeah, I say goat uh, uh, as lo- uh, I think I f- I see him as the standard. Uh, I feel like he is the the player that uh, uh, if you're if you're his level, you can be on the team. If you're below his level, you shouldn't be on the team. Uh, I think he's a good a, a good uh, a sub, uh, but if he's starting uh, more than like ten games throughout the year, that's like Jason said, that's probably not good. Yeah, I think I'd buy Perez as the standard. That's a good one. Uh, hopefully we get a parallel to another former holder of that role uh, in Lewis Neal, and he scores a trophy-winning goal for us. I would love that. I would love to see that. I would love to see Adrian Perez become a legend um, <laughs> just on that. It's it's GOAT for me. Uh, Losada obviously uh, rates him. He was protected in the expansion draft. Um, so he, he's going to be back and hopefully he can, he can come in and, and find a role probably off the bench and in spot starts for this team. Last up tonight, Jordy Reyna, uh, who we know is out of contract. He's actually an MLS free agent. He can go anywhere in the league or the world that he, he can get a contract and, and go play there. He had 18 appearances, only eight of them starts, mostly came off the bench, 941 minutes, four goals, one assist for the Peruvian. Um, given his salary, I think letting him go, death is the right option here. Um, so that that's what I would say. I, I think I don't think he would be a consistent producer despite some of his spectacular. He, he can provide the spectacular, but I don't think he would put numbers up on a consistent basis to justify the salary. So I say death. Ben? Yeah, yeah, uh, I say Fox. I think 
like you said, he can do the spectacular, but I think uh, uh, that Lucy Rushton and Ernan Losada can find somebody at a similar or lesser salary value who can do something similar, can do some dynamism. So I'm, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, Fox for Jordi uh, Arena. Yeah, I also have to say Fox. Um, you know, if if DC didn't have Flores as well, um, I could handle yeah. one erratic, you know, possibly injured for half the season, uh, playmaking type of attacker. But you can't do two. Um, and DC, as we've already discussed on the show, will have Flores for quite a while. So there's just it's not viable to also keep Reina at that point. That will be it for this episode of Filibuster. Thank you all for listening. Find us at blackandredunited.com. If you want to support us financially, you can do that at patreon.com slash filibuster. We love all of our patrons. We adore them. uh, And we are very grateful for them. You can find us on Twitter at filibusterdcu, at blackandredview for the website, at jasondcsoccer for Jason, at bromleysoccer for Ben at the underscore AMT for me. Um, at Bromley email- FC for, for uh, the Bromley football club. <laughs> yep. Hashtag up the archivists. Uh, send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. If you are a Bromley supporter, uh, sure. Let us know. Uh, and we'll, we'll specifically support- me, not the foot, not, not the soccer team. <laughs> Both. I'm open to emails from both. If you are a Ben Bromley supporter, definitely email us. I want to pick your brain. Uh, I want to understand your your psyche a little bit more. But yeah, definitely get in touch. Find us on iTunes, download, subscribe, rate, review, wherever you get your podcasts. Mostly tell a friend about the show. Uh, that's the best way to spread the word. Just Just mention us to a friend and encourage people to listen. For Jason and Ben, I'm Adam. We'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. I have I have to win the other game against Bromley in the second half of the season. It's a must. <laughs> You're going to tell us about it, right? Oh, of course. Down the Jasons. <laughs> um.